2. He came to marry Joyce as he had for each of the past five nights, in her dreams. His hair was as dark as a moonless night over the Boren, his eyes the color of rain. He was striding determinedly toward her on long legs that ate up the ground. Flames blazed across the battle-scarred landscape behind him. His jaw was wide and square, his raw-boned face as chiseled as the stone cliffs of her native Ireland. He was every bit a warrior, in rough clothing, carrying a huge and dangerous sword in his large hands. Having grown up in a country that had suffered centuries of hostilities from battling factions, Mary hated war. And although she understood intellectually that occasionally such things were necessary for the greater good, she'd never experienced a moment's attraction to men who'd conduct them. Which didn't explain why, as he stopped in front of her, his granite-gray eyes intense as they glared down into hers, she felt her body melting like a candle left out too long in a warm summer sun. There was no seduction. No romance. There never was. The dangerously menacing stranger did not even bother to ask. He took, as if it were his perfect right, as if she were merely a battle prize granted without question to the victor. Dropping his weapon, his fist crumpled the front of the emerald green nightgown that had cost an obscene amount of money for such a scrap of silk and lace, and ripped it down the front. When she gasped, as she always did, his head swooped down and his mouth, hard and demanding, devoured hers in a deep, forceful kiss as broad, rough hands claimed her body. Her head was swimming. As she felt her legs weaken, Mary struggled to keep from fainting. Such savage, primal passion made her tremble. Not from fear, nor outrage at being taken by this stranger without a single pretty word or bit of clever foreplay, but from a burning need for fulfillment. Seeming oblivious to the death and destruction behind him, he dragged her to the ground beside a mountain lake, where, in direct contrast to the battle that was still waging, a pair of swans, one white, the other black, drifted on glassy blue water. His body was all rock-hard muscle and sinew. They came together like thunder, like lightning. Every coherent thought Mary possessed was swept away by the hot winds swirling around them. When a soft, shimmering, lavender dawn light began to filter into the bedroom, Mary woke, emerging from the storm shaken, as she had for the past five mornings. And alone. The house was quiet. Her guests must still be sleeping. Turning on the coffee so it'd be brewed when they got up, Mary quickly braided her long black hair, pulled on a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and running shoes, and went out her back door and down the wooden steps onto the beach. It was early enough that the fog had yet to burn off, and as she ran down the packed sand at the edge of the surf, she could almost imagine that she was back running on the beach in Castle Lock. She'd always loved the ocean. 
Granted, this glistening strip of sand on Malibu Beach was not the kelp-draped shores of home, and the houses, crowded together like crows on a line, were a poor substitute for the soaring vertical West Irish cliffs, but the salt air still managed to clear her head, even as it failed to blow away those last lingering fragments of the erotic dream that had been bedeviling her. Once upon a time, while growing up in a small county on the far west coast of Ireland, Mary had dreamed of moving to America, where she'd become a rich and famous movie star, live in a mansion in Beverly Hills, and have a worldwide audience of fans who'd follow her every move. Despite having chosen an acting career that had thrust her into the public eye and onto the covers of tabloid magazines—